Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise. I am here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Ian Drew, who you probably know has a pretty interesting history in our embedded space. He's currently the chairman of Foundries.io, and he's also the chairman of some other companies, but we're not going to get into that. But he also led a very prominent role at ARM, bringing them to a bazillion smartphones. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing really well, Rich. And was that a fair introduction? That's a fair introduction. I'm um, I'm a veteran of the industry. People call me now, uh, which means that I can play off the front tees if I want to. It means I've also made as many mistakes as I've made successes. And so that's that's taught me a lot in the industry. And you are literally a greybeard. Thank you very much indeed, Rich. This is <laughs> uh, for everybody who's on the podcast who can't see me. Yes, I, I I'm started to grow a beard, and yes, I am a grey beard now. Uh, but good. I start with a full head of hair. Okay, very good. I wish I could make that same statement. But okay, so um, in in my intro, I talked about how you're with Foundries.io and you're with ARM. So you have a really good handle on. Uh, IoT, the IoT industry. And you said something in a conversation that we had uh, not too long ago about how the IoT industry needs to change. A, that's one. And B, you may be the catalyst to make that change. So let's start with the first one. Why does the IoT industry need to change? The IoT industry, and I I don't like the term IoT, but I'll, I'll use it here, is... In a Venn diagram, everything that's not a phone, not the cloud, and not a PC, it will touch everybody in immense ways in their daily life. It'll touch industries, it'll touch finance, it'll touch your kitchen, and it'll touch everything in between. It is the hidden infrastructure that will drive the industry. Unlike the the phones, which is you tend to have one, if not two, but very few people have two, very few people have none, so you tend to have one. The IoT industry, especially for consumers and industries, will be multiple per person. The amount of IP addresses that will be associated with you, that will enable you to do different things with your life will grow exponentially. Should I tell you that what you're saying is not right now, or should I wait till you're done? You can tell me now if you want, Mike. Okay. How do you say that the the phone is not part of the IoT when that drives everything somebody does? That's your hub. The phone could be part of your IoT industry. But it is. Uh, Not all the time, it's not. I can can tell you in in my home, I have a whole pile of devices that don't go through uh, my phone that go I, through a that go through a router that I don't use my phone to go access. Yes, that's uh, true. So there, I, if I'm sitting in a factory doing test equipment, do I use my phone to go do that? No, I'll use a embedded PC that's sitting along the line that's connected to the internet. The phone could be part of the control mechanism, but it's not the only thing there. No, definitely and, not the only thing, but it's an important thing. And and to the point you just made, where many industry, many companies, vendors, manufacturers want to go is to be able to test that equipment from anywhere. So if the administrator happens to be 
on holiday on the beach somewhere and a piece of equipment goes down, he gets pinged on his phone and he knows. Uh, I totally agree with you. We should have an industry in IoT that is not having people sitting at desks connected to uh, breadboard machines and tested and you can only do it in certain locations. That doesn't happen in the phone industry or the PC industry. Why should it happen in our industry? But the phone is just a portal into that industry. It is not the driving function. The driving function is the connectivity and the data and the security that goes in there. The phone, the phone is just a portal into that, and the phone could be part of IoT, but it is just a, an infrastructure side to it. The big part of the IoT industry doesn't have screens on it and will be significantly more IP addresses to you that don't have screens than has, has a, have a screen going forward. Okay, I so, derailed your conversation. Go back to why the industry needs to change. It's all right, Rich. I, c- I can correct you any time that you want. <laughs> so you look at this industry. When I was just a wee lad starting off at Intel, it was called Embedded. And nobody really wanted to work in Embedded because it was a bit of a graveyard. It's where all the old chips got sent, uh, all the old manufacturing got sent to to make sure that the cost got squeezed out of it. And so it really was the back end of nowhere and it wasn't strategic. And then in the late 90s, the word IoT came out, we're going to connect everything. Uh, And the internet came along. Well, the internet came along to... uh, PCs and laptops, and then in the 2000s to phones. But really what happened in this uh, embedded space was the the embedded applications had an internet connection, but they were all vertically integrated. You had consultants coming along saying, this is really hard and unique. Let me write something for you that allows you to go and do this. And there wasn't a standard platform. So you had... Every piece, every embedded OEM trying to design their own unique piece of hardware, which makes very logical sense if you think about the applications. It's a totally different application in a fridge than it is a shipping container, than it is in a car. So you need different hardware, and the software around that is totally different. So you had a lot of consultancy companies coming along saying, oh, I can help you. But consultants don't really help you long-term. They will provide a short-term fix that allows you to ship a product. But the embedded space, unlike phones and laptops, is a 10, 15, 20-year life cycle. How do you then upgrade your software? How do you check the security? How do you make sure that everything's working correctly? Is everything documented? All of these things become important. Now, we've had probably 10 years of the embedded space shipping products that really most of the time you can't support, aren't the best security, uh, can't be updated very easily. How do you manage the keys? All the rest of it plays into this. Okay, now here's here's the question. I hope I'm not sorry I'm going to ask this. Go on, then. How are you going to change it? I think from my gray beard space, (laughs) this industry has to change from from a vertical industry to a horizontal industry. 
we need, as Andy Grove said, and I, I remember being shouted at by Andy a number of times, <laughs> best in class horizontal uh, wins the game. You need to make sure that you're best in class. What we need is horizontal platforms. So when I left Arm, it was clear to me we didn't have an industry in IoT that could scale that allowed consumers and OEMs to have the devices that they needed to be secure and knowledgeable that these are going to be supported for 10 to 20 years. So we created Foundries to be the best in class Linux operating system and a platform that scales across any architecture, any chip, allows the best in class OTA as the best in class security. And so changing an industry means putting your money on the table, talking to the, the leading OEMs, changing their minds. How do, you, how do you explain to an OEM those 100, 200 people that have been doing the 10 different Linux kernels? You know what? I can do that for $60,000 a year for you. Uh, trust me, uh, I've had those conversations and some people go, wow, that's great. I'll save on my p and I can get to market quickly and I could use my 200 engineers elsewhere. Others sit there and go, oh my God, I've always done it this way. Therefore, I'm going to I'm going to panic and not change. This industry needs to change because it is inefficient commercially. It is inefficient on security. It is inefficient in delivering demands and needs of OEMs. And the only way to do that is to move into a horizontal industry. And that's what foundries and a bunch of other companies are trying to do. And I think until we get into the space where we have with phones at the moment, where you can update from anywhere, you can have app stores, where you have security, you can have over-the-air updatability, you will not have what people really need for this industry. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I'm trying to change industries one block at a time, one OEM at a time, one consumer at a time. It's interesting, as you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking that the industry it, which is making that change is, is automotive, where you can roll your car into a dealership and do a software upgrade just by rolling your, rolling your vehicle into the shop there. And um, it, it, it's happening, but it's slow. I look at, I, and there was a, 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 a big uh, security hack the other day on a major tractor company. And they went, oh, oh, we can't update our software. It shouldn't take until they have a big hack that they then go, oh, what do we go do about this? That's putting the consumer in, at, at risk. What you need to do is have security and OTA built in at the front end that allows you to protect those devices for the 10, 20, 30 years, to have the latest software in there, to have the latest apps, the latest security, which nobody knows what's going to come along in 10 to 20 years, be mm -hmm. able to be updated. That's really important for me. Good stuff, Ian. Thank you very much for uh, enlightening the audience. Thank you very much indeed, Rich. And anytime you want to chat, always here. That was Ian Drew. He is the chairman of Foundries.io, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.